1: Well, I did say yesterday, um, might I turned that on a little too soon? Sorry about that. I did mention yesterday that there were other clips that I wanted to get to. I'm not going to bother with Colin Coward. I think I made my point. That guy doesn't have any idea what he's talking about. I, I Again, I think some of these guys actually try, but there's just too much to actually have a solid opinion on. And they, they're, they're not allowed to essentially do what I do and just say, Pff, I don't know, dude. I have no idea. I haven't looked at it. Don't know. They can't do that. They have to be all knowing. But there are times Colin says stuff that I'm like, that, that's a pretty well thought out thing. This doesn't make, he doesn't have any idea what he's talking about. So that ticked me off. But there were some other uh, clips and things that were out there. And again, it's just, it's just an annoyance of mine. If you're going to say stuff, at least make it make sense. Make a solid, cohesive argument. I, I, I want to I go through a couple things here, just, just to clear the air, because a lot of this stuff gets out there, a lot of people listen to it, and a lot of people will form their opinions. So let me just be very clear and concise on my thoughts on what is currently circulating around the news. I want to start with this. I've been very clear um, on my stance on, on pretty much everything, in, including Aaron Rodgers. Depending on the year, depending on the situation, I am either an ardent Rodgers supporter or not so much. Depends on what we're talking about. And it depends mostly what other people are saying about him. You know how I get. If you say something that's entirely untrue on the other side of things, I'm just going to come down and on the opposite side of where you're at. At the beginning of the season, everybody said Aaron Rodgers is the problem. And I said, no, he's not. Aaron Rodgers is not the problem. Look at the offensive line. Look at the lack of time that he has. Look at the wide receivers. It's not his fault. As time went on, that was no longer my, my stance. Now, maybe it's his thumb. I don't know, but you've heard me go through the play-by-plays and look at it, and the, the answer's sitting there and looking me in the face, and I'm not the kind of person that's not going to change my mind because I'd rather defend my wrong position than just say what reality is, and what reality is is he hasn't looked very good. Then we get into this stupid article, about the hand signals and look i don't know man a lot of players have come out and made it very clear they didn't like it what am i supposed to say to that they're lying they're not lying this is their perspective that's all there is to it so and and it's like i said nothing's black and white it's not everybody loves rogers or everybody hates rogers some people freaking hate the guy you know how i know because they say it have you heard of greg jennings and jermichael finley they don't like him said he's a garbage leader he's not a you know on and on they didn't like the guy Randall Cobb loves him. David Bakhtiari loves him. You know why? I mean, they're friends. Just like most people, some people like us and some people hate us and some people are indifferent to us, and it's no different with Aaron Rodgers, but it's just, just probably to a much larger degree because he's the quarterback and leader of a Green Bay Packers franchise, and he has been for over a decade. But I don't really care because the, the, the article, you can come down on either side of it, and, and I think it's somewhat reasonable. It's a stupid article, doesn't mean anything, and Rodgers has always been this way, it's no big deal. Okay, well, fair enough, I don't, I don't know. It is a big deal, he needs to dial it down because he has rookies and not everything has to be his way and perfect. Well, yeah, all right, fair enough. But then you get people who've just got a big mouth that like to say stupid stuff and don't know what they're talking about, and I want to start with that, with Shannon Sharp. No question, guys got a big mouth, both of these guys do. They like to yell, they like to scream, they like to have a lot of bluster. But let's just be very clear and concise about what we're talking about. And I'll tell you, within the first five seconds of him opening his mouth, I knew that he was just going to say nonsense and make himself out to sound like an idiot. Here's what he had to say.
0: the athletic report. So let me get this straight. Should I believe a proven liar or former and current players that's willing to go on the record? Mm.
1: So Rodgers is a known liar. What, what, what is he talking about? Are we talking about the immunized thing? Is that what he's talking about? it's It's shocking to me how much people can't People want to talk about Rogers. Oh, he keeps bringing up COVID. He keeps bringing up COVID. You're telling me that he's the one that can't let it go. Are you serious? He's a known liar because he said, factually, he answered a que- uh, a question factually that he didn't he didn't volunteer the information. He was forced into backed into a corner and picked an answer that was true, although meant to be slightly deceptive. You know why? Not because he's a proven liar, which is what everybody wants to say, because how dare you lie to me as though you deserve some kind of a freaking answer. Who the heck are you? You don't deserve anything. He doesn't have to answer any of your questions. He did it because he didn't want the blowback. He didn't want it on him. He didn't want it on his team. He didn't want it on his coaches. But he's a proven liar. You know who else is a liar? Both of these idiots on this show are liars. You know how I know? Because they open their mouth constantly on this show and they don't believe anything that they're saying. The whole point of the show is to pretend we have these big opposite opinions on everything and get into these real big heated arguments. You think that's real? This is all fake. This whole thing is fake. You know that, right? They're both lying. And every single person on on, on planet Earth has told much worse lies then Aaron Rodgers trying to spare his team and himself the media absolute firestorm that came after everybody found out that immunized didn't exactly meant, uh, mean what everybody else thought. But this is how he's going to start it. A, a known proven liar or all these guys that went on record. Who should I believe? Now, that doesn't necessarily even make sense because we're not talking about the truth. I don't think Aaron Rodgers ever denied it. What, what is there to even deny? No, actually, they loved the meetings. Who said that? But let's continue.
0: Randall Cobb is his best friend. He was in Randall Cobb's wedding as the best man. Randall Cobb's on the record. Romeo.
1: Randall Cobb's on the record saying what? What did he say about this situation with people complaining and crying about hand signals? You know what he said? He said, this isn't high school. This isn't college. This is a job, and you have to treat it as such. Not everybody's going to have a great, the greatest relationship like your coworkers." I don't like, uh, I don't talk and hang out with everybody on the team. It's real difficult. I can understand from Amari Rodgers' perspective why he can feel that way, talking about Amari complaining about everything, because Aaron is, is a very intimidating person, um, talking about he has multiple MVPs, a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And if you don't have confidence to go up and have conversations and ask, then yeah, I can see how that could be. That's the majority of his contract. There's more, but I want to save that because he's going to say something else that's stupid. Randall Cobb's on the record. Yes, he's on the record saying, Cry about it. Frickin' cry about it. So he's a known record. Uh, he's, he's a known liar. And one of the guys on the record is, is Roger's own best friend. Okay? And he contradicted a friend of his, Amari Rogers, somebody he's known since he was a child, and said, oh well, suck it up, buttercup. Yo, Dobbs,
0: Robert Tanyan, Rogers, Sammy Watkins, Kalen Hill, St. Jordan Love, Chris Blair, Sean Brown, Jay Steinberg. So
1: he's just listing everybody that. Do you think Jordan Love came on here and said that these hand signals are a problem? Jordan Love came on and explained the process of how we go through hand signals. This is not a list of people that complained about things. Robert Tunyon didn't complain about things. You know what Robert Tunyon said? Playing with a veteran quarterback, especially one of Rodgers' pedigree, might be more stressful, but it's good for you. He didn't even read the article. I believe.
0: a guy that. That's a proven liar. If Aaron Rodgers came to me right now and said, Shannon, don't go outside. The sky is falling. I'm a dead mofo because the sky going to drop on my head. Because I don't believe anything he says. Yep. There's a reason why. Think about it. Christian uh, uh, Watson did score his first touchdown to week 10. During Rogers' era, tw- 2008 to 2021, the Packers have drafted six receivers in the first four rounds. Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, Ty Montgomery, Juwan Moore, and Lamar Rogers. Those receivers were finished their rookie seasons: 27 targets, 19 receptions, 231 receiving yards, and 1.3 touchdown receptions. You take the other teams, 31 teams that have drafted receivers in the same one, 219 receivers. They almost doubled them in targets, almost doubled them in yards. Almost doubled him in, rece- in reception mm. and, du- and doubled him in touchdowns. Now, Rodgers doing that tenure skip at no worst mm. was the third or fourth. So if you take Peyton.
1: You know, it's funny about all this. A um, couple things. Number one, Christian Watson is surpassing everyone. So that doesn't really track, does it? Why, why is he getting all these touchdowns? Why is he on the field so much? Why is he doing all that? I have an answer to that question. You know where I can find the answer to that question? Randall Cobb in this article addresses this exact issue that apparently you read and, and thoroughly understand. Here's what it says. Via Randall Cobb, during Aaron Rodgers' career, there's always been a constant couple of guys already here when they draft someone. This is the first time in the course of Aaron's career that rookies have been thrust into a position where they have to play right away and play meaningful snaps. And that goes for Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson, who are number four and five on the depth chart when they got here. They've always had guys, and as soon as we draft someone and don't have someone, what happens? They get thrust into a role and start getting targets, snaps, yards, touchdowns, all of it. Amazing, isn't it? So you have to explain to me then the discrepancy if you think it's all Aaron Rodgers. Why suddenly are Dobbs and Watson getting so much play? Explain that, because Rodgers doesn't like to go to rookies. And, and as far as the discrepancy with other teams, yes. Have you ever seen these other teams? Should we go through them? Most of these teams, first of all, the, the Packers, as I've said, have had an unbelievable track record of having wide receivers for a very long time. Most teams don't have that. And the majority of the time, when a team takes a wide, a wide receiver, let's say in the first round or second round, it's because they don't have someone and they need to thrust them into a ro- similar to what you're seeing in Atlanta. New Orleans, the Jets, with Garrett Wilson. When you're the best wide receiver on the team, you get put into that position. If you're not, you don't. And do I really need to sit here and explain to you why Jamon Moore didn't exactly blow up with yards and targets when he was here? I don't need Devonte to do that. This is stupid. Penny,
0: Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. So that's the poor best quarterback. Ain't no way those
1: receivers supposed to uh, struggle like that. Mm. Considering, D- did all the receivers on the team struggle? Did all the team did all the receivers on the team struggle? Has Green Bay had a bad track record of not getting any wide receivers targets? Or is it possible that there are receivers on the team getting lots of targets, yards, and touchdowns? Because if that's the case, I don't know why the rookies would be thrust into that role. We already have the role position filled. We have all the yards and targets and all that stuff accounted for. We have Devonte, Jordy, Randall, Jennings. We have those guys already. Right? They're all the, the targets are already going somewhere. Those two and nineteen receivers wasn't all on
0: Tom, uh, on Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Drew Brees' team. Mm-hmm. They
1: said it. What? What what does a good quarterback have to do with a rookie receiver performing well? It has to do with opportunities. And they weren't getting opportunities. I thought that's what we were talking about. They don't get opportunities in Green Bay. Now you're just changing. Now it's all of a sudden, because Aaron Rodgers is there, they should flourish, but they're not. Therefore, I'm just going to draw this conclusion that doesn't actually follow anything and say that it's because Rodgers doesn't want to throw to him. There may be a, a, a... slight bit of that I don't know and to what degree I don't know but it's kind of this is this is what's staggering about a lot of stuff that's happening right now and a lot of it. it's being proven wrong right now right this very second that narrative has gone to zero because he doesn't trust anybody on this team as far as I can tell more than Dobbs and Watson so that whole narrative and everything that was there just went to zero just like this whole all-in thing that I talked about yesterday that should have gone to zero and people still can't let it go he is now leaning on rookies and for some reason, Shannon Sharp here wants to go on a tirade about how this proves that Rodgers doesn't trust young guys because of this article that Cobb was cited in, in, in which he refuted what Shannon is saying right now. And Tunyon is cited in this article, who is sort of refuting what Shannon is saying right now.
0: I got to know, uh, 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 I got to know hand signals that we don't practice. Only he knows. Hmm.
1: That's nobody said that. Doesn't, that's not even in the article. That's not in the article. We, we, we have to use hand signals, and nobody knows the hand signals but Rodgers? Is that really what you think is happening? So he's out there doing hand signals, and nobody but Rodgers knows what those hand signals are. Nobody has even made that claim. I think I know what you're referring to, but I'm not going to bail you out if you're just going to say stupid stuff.
0: What?! Everybody has hand signals, yeah, but we do. go
1: over them. Sometimes we be in. You go over them. Do you maybe go over them in a classroom setting? Because I, I, I'm just wondering, because I thought I read an article recently about they're all like in a room and Jordan Love has like a role in that. And then the receivers don't want to be called on. It's just, I don't know where I heard something about covering the hand signals. No. I don't remember. I know. I I feel like I read it somewhere. Something about going over hand signals. I don't know. It's getting away from me. But I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. Something about hand signals and going over them. Meeting and a uh, coup cool with that. Oh, oh! I remember now. Here's a quote from Chris Blair. The signal meeting was by far the worst thing. Said former Packers receiver Chris Blair, who spent the 2021 season as a rookie in Green Bay's practice squad. I used to hate those. Goes on to say, on Saturdays, rookie receivers, running backs, and tight ends get quizzed on them. You don't want to get called on because you got to do it in front of the whole team, said former Packers receiver, Equinemius St. Brown, who now plays for the Bears. So, yeah, so it sounds like they kind of go over it a little bit, right? Sounds like they talk about it. Actually, there's an interesting quote here from Jordan Love, who was mentioned. He says, that's definitely something wide receivers don't look forward to is the signal meeting because we have so many. That's weird. I get that these guys need something to talk about, and I get that Shannon Sharp doesn't like him because he didn't get a shot. Because apparently people still worry about COVID, which I think we both know that's not true. He doesn't care. He just doesn't like that Rodgers didn't do what he was told. I get it, right? You're still bitter about it. And so you're going to go on calling him a, a proven liar. It's funny, this guy was so mad at Skip Bayless for being disrespectful for saying Tom Brady is a better football player than Sharp. He's got a thing against disrespect, I guess but is going to sit on his trash show and call Aaron Rodgers a proven liar and say I wouldn't believe a single word he says because of a decision he made in the privacy of his own home who had no desire for this information to get out until it was forced out. But he doesn't like being disrespected. He's got a big thing about respect. It's interesting. Anyways, moving on. And and this one isn't the worst in the world, but just, again, just to clear things up because this is getting kind of tired and annoying, but this is uh, what's his name Spears, I think, asked how much better did the Packers look in that game?
0: They look better. Look like some rapport is being built with these wide receivers. But this week we gonna rule them out too. They yeah. not getting in the playoffs. Okay, nope. listen, <laughs> if they run the table, if they run the table, I'll be the first one to come on TV and eat crow. I still, first of all, they played a bad Los Angeles Rams team, so mm-hmm. let's not get carried away.
1: Again. And I know I've made this point already. I don't need to make it again, but I'm going to anyways. This is not how you do this. It's not right, and and by that I I don't just mean morally incorrect, I mean factually incorrect, to say because you played a bad team, it doesn't count. That's dumb. That's dumb. Every single game, there is a level of expectation. Even in a loss, you can say that you looked better. If if the Packers are let's just say let's just say they're they're earlier in the season they look terrible whatever against uh, going up against Buffalo I don't know right it's supposed to be a complete blowout fourteen point this that or the other if, if it's a close loss if the Buffalo Bills win in a uh, last second field goal the Packers lost but they played above expectations and what you do is you adjust upward your thought on the Packers. Now, it could just be a fluke or whatever, but that's just generally what you do. It's, you adjust it up, you adjust it down based on how they perform. But it's, it's, you don't disregard games because you either went up against one of the best teams in football, so that doesn't count. I mean, we can't, we can't uh, dock you for that. But you can if you're supposed to lose by three and you lose by 17. So again, the better way to do this is to look at it and say, what is the expectation and what did you do against the expectation? The line was set at seven. They beat them by 12. They still performed above expectation. So yes, did they look better? Yes. And, there, and there's also specifics behind that. Again, offense, defense, special teams, first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter might not have been the greatest performance we've ever seen, certainly as Packer fans. But all that's true. And you cannot dismiss the fact that they played above expectations, even above the expectations of playing the Rams, well, the Rams are bad. I know that's built into the equation already. They exceeded those expectations as well. I, I, it's just, it's just laziness to completely throw it out. You, you can mention it, and if we're just talking wins and losses, then fine. But you cannot completely dismiss it and completely throw it out
0: about what we saw last night. I saw times and opportunities for the Rams to have a chance to make plays. Still pressured Aaron Rodgers
1: at a high clip. Pressured Aaron Rodgers at a high clip. Aaron Rodgers was pressured 21.2% of the time. Only four games this year has he been pressured less. How How is that a high clip? He was pressured the second lowest in the entire NFL all week at 21.2%. Jalen Hurts was the lowest Probably because he went up against the Bears, whose defense sucks. Second lowest pressure rate in the entire NFL in week 15 at 21.2%. Again, don't just say random stuff. The Rams could have made plays. Really? They made like four decent plays the entire game. And in the moments in which they didn't, why didn't they? Well, it's because their offense is bad. Okay. Well, they've scored more points than this in the past, correct? Yes. So why didn't they score more in this game? Does it have anything to do with the Packers' defense? Again, maybe not 100%, but it also isn't 0%, is it? They could have made plays and they didn't. Right. That's the point. Anyways, it started off fairly respectable, right? A little bit unfair and not really thinking things through all the way and just making up random stats that are false, like Rodgers was pressured a lot in this game, which is wildly untrue. But then you have the other co-host, don't know his name, but he's essentially saying this isn't the September Packers. You're being somewhat unfair. The December Packers would destroy the September Packers. Here's what the responses to that were.
0: Only been on the field for 52 plays together. I think they're a much better team than they were. It sure would be nice if they could play the September Green Bay Packers for the next three weeks in a row. (laughs) That'd be great. I was about to say, say, what about the other teams? What about (laughs) the other teams?
1: (laughs) What about them? What about the Miami Dolphins who have lost three in a row? What about the Minnesota Vikings that have been a disaster for I don't know how much how how long now? They 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 have not played well. Nobody has. The only team that has been even slightly impressive over these last three, four, five weeks is the Detroit Lions. And that's it. And I'm waiting to see if they completely implode at some point. They haven't really given any reason, but I know what they're they're their team is. And I know that the talent is lacking. They're playing through it, and the, and the coaches are doing a masterful job of putting guys in a position to, to win, and they're playing at 100% at, 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 from, from end to end. But what about the other teams? You're, you're going to sit here and tell me the Miami Dolphins are actually that good? They're not. Their record isn't good. And I'm not just talking about the last three games. I'm talking about for the season. Their record is not good. What are they, one game above, above 500? I know I've said it 5,000 times already, but they, the Vikings lost to the Lions, and they were expected to. What does that tell you? And then they only got a three and a half point, they were only three and a half point favorites at home against one of the worst teams in football. What does that tell you? So yes, the Packers are improved, and the teams coming up are not good. So what are we talking about?
2: Argument, Let Do me that. make an argument, Gras. Let me make an argument He just The Miami game is the one that will say, okay, that's trouble. Mike T is making an argument for Rodgers being comfortable down there. Then they get the Vikings and Lions in their place. Both those teams have to come to Green Bay, Lambeau Field in December, where Rodgers never loses eight degrees outside. Teams that might not have as much going on there. I-
1: okay, so Packers are improved. Apparently Miami is scary. Don't necessarily agree, but, but Miami, I guess, is scary. And then you have two teams, one of which is certainly struggling. The other is the Detroit Lions coming to Lambeau Field. The Packers, by the way, don't lose in December. I had somebody call yesterday and and remind me or or show me that I think it's been 14 games in a row that they've won in December and have not lost since 2018. The last time they lost in 2018, it was Deshaun Kaiser. So you have to go two weeks, I think, prior to that. Was the last time Aaron Rodgers lost to the Chicago Bears in December of 2018? So, okay, so there's that.
2: I I really believe there's a chance. There's a chance, but I don't, I mean, like, first of all, at Miami, Miami's better than they are, and it, yeah. and it is a road game on a short week for them. They have to travel on a short
1: week. The numbers are... are- short week, it's Monday, dude. It's one less game. <laughs> Acting like it's Thursday. It's Monday.
2: ...are bad for teams that do that. It's true. And then the Lions and the Vikings are two teams that already beat them. Like, I, I don't know how we can look at either of those games as a pushover. We've seen them play...
1: Pers- n- Miami is marginally better at best. They're four-point favorites in this game. Number two, they already beat them. We just addressed that and said the Packers are better and everybody just agreed. So that's a moot point, right? Also, the um, Vikings are significantly worse than they were week one. So all of this, and and who said pushover? How could you say that these guys are pushover? Who said pushover? Nobody said pushover. You're not making any sense. Nobody said this.
2: And we've seen the Packers lose. So yes, I agree that the Packers are putting it together at the right time, but I still think it's going to take a series of incredibly unlikely events.
1: No, no, it's not. Now it's unlikely because of the amount of things that need to happen, but there's not one single thing that is incredibly unlikely. Not one beating the Miami Dolphins. Is that incredibly unlikely? Not even close. How about beating the Vikings? No. How about Detroit? No. How about uh, the Giants losing out? No. How about Washington losing two? No. How about Seattle losing one? No. And we only need two of those three. We need Seattle to lose one, which is almost certainly going to happen, and we need either Wash—I think it's Washington to lose two or the Giants to lose three. It's—it's it's unlikely that everything happens, but it's not as he said. A lot of incredibly unlikely things. Not one single thing in that list is incredibly unlikely. Not one.
2: And, and definitely at this point, I would say it would be surprising if they make it. I, I like yes. Detroit as the hotter wild card yes. contender right now.
1: I, I, I don't even disagree with that. It. Yes, it's unlikely they get in. Nobody's arguing that. You're changing the subject. And two, I, I would agree. I would agree that Dallas, uh, Detroit is the hotter team right now. They've won like, what, six out of their last seven games? And they just pummeled a team, what was it, the Jaguars, like 40 to something like that. And their defense is looking better. Their offense seems unstoppable. They just got their rookie wide receiver who's going to just start, just start to make an impact. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is starting to make a bigger impact. He was obviously a little quieter when he first started, but he's starting to make a, a bit of an impact. Yeah, of course. I don't like to admit it, but I can see what's right in front of my face. Again, I'm not trying to say we're going to make the playoffs. I don't think we are. I've told you for I don't know how many weeks now, we're going to miss the playoffs and get like picks 16, 17. It's going to be the worst of all worlds. That's what I think is going to happen. But it's not a joke. It's not unbelievably unlikely that we beat Miami or Detroit or Minnesota. Again, in my mind, they're all 50-50, which, again, put together makes it unlikely. I told you, somebody said before, they they uh, I didn't play it, but they went from a five percent chance to a seven percent chance well it's it's eight but it doesn't matter the odds are low no doubt but let's not confuse things here let's not be disrespectful for the sake of being disrespectful the packers are improved and all the guy was saying is he's making a point that the december team would crush the september team as a way of of, of proving that they have gotten better obviously wasn't implying that we're only playing that t- it's, it's 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 stupid and I don't like the fact that it's disrespectful for the sake of... Dis- and then when they get pushed up against the wall, they start changing. Well, it, it's unlikely they make it into the playoffs is all I'm saying. No, that's not all you were saying.
2: Out of that division. No, th- of that, there is no doubt. I mean, uh, they were 1-6 and six and they're 7-7. Seven seven. That speaks for itself. But let me just ask you this. What you are watching right now, and I understand the winning streak is Chicago and and the bad Rams. So uh, no, no one is... Such-
1: I think you should throw Dallas in there. I, I mean, it's not a, it's not a part of a streak but I don't know how we just forget Dallas exists. Nobody wants to talk about it because it doesn't fit the narrative that as I played yesterday, they can't beat good teams. They can only beat bad teams. And they were very close to beating the Eagles and Tennessee. I told you was a he- terrible matchup because of the run defense issue, which by the way, the Packers are getting better at as they learn to throw without a rushing attack. They did it a little bit in this Rams game.
2: Suggesting that, that suddenly they look like the 85 bears, but <laughs> If this team does sneak into the playoffs, could you see them winning a game? I mean, if they play the Cowboys, maybe because the Cowboys seem to play to the level of their opponents. But I think it's unlikely that they make the playoffs. Obviously, if they get in, it's still a stretch to me. I I think um, I was messing with Mike T a little bit about which they played the September Packers. But they are a better team, but they're better than bad. They're still not good yet. Like this Rams team has a quarterback that they just met. And some people wouldn't have known his name if we didn't talk about him every day on this show. Mm -hmm. So like they have a long way to go to start being competitive with good teams.
1: Still and I'll leave it at that because I mostly agree with that. I, I Again, I think he's overstating things and being annoying. Well, maybe they could beat Dallas because they always play. No, th- look at their record. Their record would indicate that they don't lose very often. So that's not true. Beyond that, they very clearly could beat Minnesota, right? Because if they're in, that means they beat Minnesota. Plus, Minnesota just not super great. None of this is to suggest that the Packers are a powerhouse. It is, however, to suggest that they're better than what people want to admit that they are. Which isn't, which isn't all that great. I've been complaining about them all year, but the offense does have potency, and there's reason to believe it will continue to get better. The offensive line seems to get better every single week, and we still, to this day, have never seen a full-on attack of Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson with the exception of Week 1. Never seen it. And Lazard was out in that game, and Watson, you know, first play of the game, drops a pass, and it was all downhill from there. Watson got his uh, snaps reduced and had injury issues. And then it was sort of a Dobbs and, and Watkins and Lazard thing. And then Watkins got hurt, and it was Dobbs and Lazard. And then Dobbs got hurt. We haven't seen it. And even this past week, Dobbs did not play very much. We still have not seen this team at, at, its, at its best. And, and by the way, last week, Dobbs didn't play very much. Lazard did not play very well. Aaron Jones has not played well in a couple weeks. You think this is the full potency of this offense? You're out of your mind. Christian Watson had very little impact. It's not a positive, but it's a reality. All right, so we'll leave it at that. We'll call that a course correction, right? Let's let's just let's just call it what it is. The Green Bay Packers are not one of the top teams in the NFL. They're not. I don't know if they have it in them to be that because that would require the offense to kick it in gear up to 100% of their potential and the defense to figure it out, which is to say pretty much the same thing. Play up to your potential, which is lessened without Rashawn Gary. But yeah, you, you need to get up to 100% of your potential. The offense needs to get back up to 100% of its potential. Because right now we've got the offense kicked up to about 60% and the defense at like 40. And that isn't going to get it done. So yeah, they're, they're they're not good enough. But the laughing and the snickering nonsense, which is backed up by half-truths and sarcasm and the Packers aren't the Bills, but they are not at all worse or at least not significantly worse than any of the teams coming up. Anyways, with that said, why don't we take a break right here? We'll uh, start to look forward at the uh, Miami Dolphins, kind of do a first cursory look at that, but we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. So I just saw this uh, scrolling through Twitter, Uh, Bukowski posted, since week 10, and I've been telling you since week 10, Packers offense has been different, right? I I haven't checked, but I know they were top 10 um, in points. Since week 10, when Christian Watson broke out, the Packers are third in offensive DVOA and that includes multiple games without Romeo Dobbs and Randall Cobb. Via DVOA, which is a better metric, by the way, than just points, third best offense in the NFL. Which, again, is annoying because the Packers don't have a chance against the Miami Dolphins. Why? Why? Why don't they have the chance? Because of that Dolphins offense, right? Now, look, I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from Miami. I understand. They, they've got fast wide receivers. I understand that. For all I know, Miami's number one over that period. I, I wouldn't doubt it. It's not about trashing Miami. It's about pretending that the Packers don't belong in the same conversation. That's the issue I have. And actually, I'm going and looking at it right now, and that doesn't even appear to be the case as far as I can see it, if I'm understanding this properly. I'm looking over at DV, uh, Football Outsiders right now. They have a thing called 2022 in-season DVOA trends offense. Then they have the weighted total offense, which looks at the totality of the season, but weights more recent games ahead of older games. In that, the Green Bay Packers are ninth with a 10.2% better than average offense. Miami is 6th. Weeks 10 through 17, passing. The Green Bay Packers are 7th. Miami is, is uh, 11th. Running the ball. Weeks 10 through 17, the Green Bay Packers are 2nd. Are the Miami Dolphins are 6th. And then total... DVOA this is I'm assuming we're still just talking offense uh, weeks 10 through 17 total DVOA Green Bay Packers are second behind only the Kansas City Chiefs the Miami Dolphins are down at 10th again I'm I'm not trying to convince anybody that we have a better offense but it is slightly aggravating because the general narrative is Miami has the most explosive and dangerous offense in the entire NFL and the Packers suck (laughs) that's it but in reality, I mean, let's just let's pick a fair number. Let's go five weeks, right? I don't want to just go over the last three weeks and say, hey, this is the Packers' two-game winning streak and the, the Miami Dolphins' three-game losing streak and try to be overly optimistic and for the Packers. And let's just pick five weeks. I think five weeks is a recent enough period to get a picture of where the teams are at. The Packers are not top 10 in points scored. They've scored 102 points and are 2-2 two two in that span. Obviously, that Tennessee game sucked, and this does not encompass the Dallas game. they rank ranked 13th. Do you know where Miami is? 18th. In the last five weeks, their offense ranks 18th in points scored. Dallas, Philadelphia, Detroit, Kansas City, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Las Vegas, Buffalo, Minnesota, Jacksonville, the Chargers, the Steelers, the Packers, the Giants, Seattle, uh new england cleveland all better than miami over the last five weeks just in scoring to be clear just talking about scoring over the last five weeks so in the last five weeks the packers have scored more points okay how about defense the packers defense in the last five weeks ranks ninth believe it or not top 10 defense the last five weeks who would have thunk it nobody because everybody's too busy talking about how much the packers suck how about miami they rank 14th So they have the 18th-ranked offense and the 14th-ranked defense in the last five weeks. Am I being unfair looking at five weeks? How many weeks do I need to go out to make it fair? How far back do I have to go? Should we just look at the first five weeks? Would that make everybody feel happier? In the last four weeks that they played, they had two relatively high-scoring games and two low-scoring games. And you say, well, one of those was the 49ers, so that doesn't... Okay, the other low-scoring game was the Chargers. They have one of the worst rushing defenses And ranked 22nd in passing. 22nd ranked passing defense. Shouldn't the Miami Dolphins have carved them up? Tua was 10 of 28 for 145 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, and two sacks. So, again, I just want to be clear. I want to be specific. So it's it's the most explosive offense based on what Miami is. If I go look over at um, SIS... And look at 20-yard passes. That's passes that traveled 20 yards in the air. Minimum, not passes that were two yards and ran for 25. We're talking 20 yards through the air. Does Miami have a bunch of them? Oh, yeah. Um, in fact, if, if we look at uh, recent history, Tua is fifth uh, since their bye week. And that's cutting out a couple teams that only have three. But whatever, it doesn't matter. But it's still interesting that he ranks fifth because it's supposed to be the most electrifying, high-flying offense in football, and yet Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars has more. If we were facing the Jaguars, would people be saying the same things? Derek Carr and the Raiders has more completions of 20-plus yards. Kirk Cousins and Jalen Hurts also are tied for number one the last four weeks. We face Kirk Cousins in a couple weeks. But yet Miami is the team that scares everybody because they have an electrifying offense. Are we more scared of Tyree Kill than Justin Jefferson? If so, why? I just want to be specific. I'm not saying they're a bad football team. They're not. They're certainly a, a team that can push the ball down the field. They've got a capable enough quarterback. Granted, he's played like garbage the last few weeks, but capable enough quarterback that can get the ball into some really fast wide receivers' hands. But we talk about it as though because they have fast wide receivers they have the most big plays of any team and they don't they never have in fact even for the entire year Tua is number 2 behind Josh Allen and then if you add in runs because you know that's also a part of explosive plays um is Miami number 1 no they're not if you look in that time period um Raheem Mostert has 4 carries Of 10-plus yards since week 11-ish. Tony Pollard is number one with 14. I don't have team stats again. I just have player stats, which sucks. But it doesn't matter because Raheem is 32nd. The next highest they have is Salvin Ahmed with two. So that would be six total. Uh, Aaron Jones has six by himself, just so we're clear. A.J. Dillon has five, so we have 11. So we have a more explosive running game. If we're just talking explosive, we have a more explosive running game. They have a more explosive passing game, but it's, you know, not the top one. Technically not even top five if we're looking at recent history. So according to DVOA, the Packers are underrated. According to DVOA, the Miami Dolphins are overrated. According to the explosiveness metrics, they're good, but they're not the best. And then I looked at it and said, you know, there's a lot of 30-point games in here. Maybe that's what it is. They're the most high-flying, big-scoring offense in football. How many 30-plus-point games has Miami scored? The answer is five. Is that number one? No, it's not. Buffalo has six, Detroit has seven, and Kansas City has seven. Who else has five? San Francisco, Seattle, Philadelphia, and Cincinnati. So there are eight teams with as many or more uh, 30-point games. Is Green Bay in the mix? No, they're not, but separate things. I just want to make sure we understand Miami rightly because I'm hearing a lot of stuff. It was in the video that was mentioned recently about how good their run defense is. Is their run defense actually that good? Because from what I can see, it's not. In fact, it looks to me as though they have the 16th ranked run defense when you're talking about yards per attempt. Is that, is that what makes them so good? By the way, if we just look at points and yards, they're they're ninth in points, 5th in yards. Their defense ranks 26th and 23rd. And as far as recent history, it it seems to me that they have not gotten significantly better. They gave up 121 yards on the ground to the 49ers, 82 yards on the ground to the Chargers, and 150 yards on the ground to the Buffalo Bills, which is the eh, third most that they gave up. 155 to the Ravens and 252 yards they gave up on the ground to the Chicago Bears. 252! Again, I'm not calling them bad. I'm just, I'm asking, is Miami a elite team? And and here's the thing, again, everything you can say about Miami, I think you can say about Minnesota. You can also say about Detroit. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm more or less defending the fact that I think Detroit is the scarier team on our schedule right now. And I don't know if Minnesota isn't the second most scary just because of their upward potential. And you say, well, Miami, they've got that high. Yeah, but yeah, but not as much as Minnesota does. The only thing Miami has going for it over Minnesota is that their defense is better, but that isn't to say they're good. They're actually really bad. They're just not dead last in the NFL in yards given up like the Minnesota Vikings are. Now, again, to clarify, I haven't said the Packers are a better football team, but I do want to at least start this out by dialing back the insane amount of hype that has been given to the Miami Dolphins, and and let's be completely honest, is because they have two fast wide receivers. Everybody knows that's the reason. And by the way, I was the guy that said, we're probably underrating Miami. Remember all the jokes about, oh, Tua can't get the ball to him. He's so stupid. He doesn't have the arm strength to do it. And I said, yeah, I don't know about that, Chief. He is one of, if not the most accurate passers of passes deep down the field, 20 yards and beyond. Tua is one of the best deep field passers. And again, that did materialize in over the course of the season, him being second in completions 20 yards down the field or more. It's a good thing Miami's got going on, but I just need to be very specific here. They are not the most explosive offense. And over the last few weeks, they haven't even been a good football team. Maybe you can say that there was a valiant effort against Buffalo. Fair enough. They still lost, but fair enough but I don't know how you justify 17-23 against the Chargers and then 17-33 against the 49ers. Only win after your bye came against the Houston Texans. Because, I mean, let, let's be honest. Everybody wants to look at the three loss and go, yeah, well, it's Buffalo and in, in the 49ers, and, and the Chargers game was close. I mean, come on. Okay, but you can do that with the wins too. The Houston Texans, the Cleveland Browns, the Chicago Bears. The Lions, before they started their run, the Steelers, that was your win streak. And then prior to that, you lost to the Vikings, you lost to the Jets, you lost to the Bengals. I mean, come on, man. The only impressive win, I think, this entire season, maybe you can count two of them, is Baltimore and Buffalo. So, I mean, listen, is it fair to say Miami's a better team? I think so. Is it fair to say Miami's scary with Tua and Tyreek and Jalen? Yeah, for sure. Are they the most scary offense? No. Are they a top-five offense? Maybe. They're not in terms of points, which, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't really like to see deep pass completions, but if it doesn't turn into yards, I don't know that I super care. So what is a fair way of looking at the team? Let's real quick, quick run through the roster. Tua Tungabailoa is their quarterback, um he currently has an 83.8 overall grade massive jump in year three which you know it's what you've been waiting for if you're a Dolphins fan or anybody that's a Tua fan you're looking forward to that the weird thing is though it the 83.8 overall kind of came in some pretty big spurts the first game was trash then there was a three game stretch of really good play 85 80 76 then again 55 against Pittsburgh a bad game then a great three-ish four-ish game stretch 96.8 96.8 against Detroit, 83.8, 91.1, and 71.3. And then the last three weeks, 63, 49.7, and 49.7 back-to-back games. So he hasn't had a real good game since week 10. And both times he went on a good stretch. It was two three-game stretches. Again, the 71's kind of in between. It was against Houston. I'm just going to not count that. 85, 80, 76, and then 96, 83, 91. Aside from that, though, 53-55, 71-63, 49-49. Week 10 was the last time we saw peak Tua. Tua, in terms of big-time throws, ranks 15th, tied with Mac Jones, Russell Wilson, and Kirk Cousins. In terms of turnover-worthy plays, Tua ranks 23rd, 23rd best. That's it. Average to subpar. He did miss a couple games, but he currently ranks 12th in yards Tied for fifth in touchdowns and only has five interceptions on the season, which again, considering his turnover worthy play percentage, it sounds more like luck to me than anything else. There's been a lot of opportunities sitting out there. It's very um, Pat Mahomesian. Then you got the scariest part of the team, which is the receivers, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Tyreek has already hit the 1,500 yard mark, Jalen Waddle is already at 1,100. Now, nobody else on their team has hardly any yards, which is why they have so many. But they definitely have a lot of yards and play some really good football. I mean, Tyreek Hill, one of the highest receiving grades I've seen from a guy, even for Tyreek Hill standards, he's sitting at a 92.4. His worst game of the season um, was a 66.8. He's only had two games in the 60s. Everything else has been 70s and above. He has one, two, three, four, five, six games, 80 and above. He has three games, 90 and above. He has six games of over 100 yards and has seven touchdowns spread across six different games. Jalen Waddell, not quite as impressive, but one, two, three, four, five games of 100 yards. Also has seven touchdowns. Again, 1,100 yards, not far behind Tyreek Hill. Not quite as impressive with the grades, but still mostly solid. 82.6 overall grade. Probably making this the best wide receiver duo in football, if I had to venture a guess. I'm not going to look it up because it's not really that important, but they're very, very good. now. To be clear, let me let, let me just say one thing before we move on. Would you rather face a team that throws for 400 yards against you, but that's spread across 10 different guys, 40 yards each, or a team that passes for 200 yards over two guys, each of them gets 100 yards? Obviously, you'd rather face a team that throws for 200 yards because it doesn't matter how it's distributed. Total points, total yards, that's what matters. The Miami Dolphins have not thrown for 300 yards since week nine against Chicago. So yes, when they throw for 296 yards or 270 yards or even 127 yards against the Chargers, when most of that goes to Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, that looks like really impressive games with really impressive wide receivers. And it is for individual stats for two guys on the team. So for example, when the Packers threw for the most yards that they threw all year, um, the number one receiver in terms of yards was Lazard with 87. Josiah Deguara had 41. Ture had 34. Tunyon, 29. Watson, 24. Aaron Jones, 20. Mercedes Lewis, 19. Dobbs, 18. Uh, Dylan with 10. Sammy Watkins, 9. Um, so it was distributed. Does that mean it wasn't a good day? That This wasn't a good passing offense because Lazard only had 87? has nothing to do with what the team's total production is. That's the point I'm trying to make. The individual stats of two receivers doesn't necessarily speak to the team's statistics. But yes, two unbelievably good wide receivers. As far as the rushing attack, they have Raheem, Raheem Mostert, is their uh, running back. 80.8 rushing grade, averaging 4.9 yards per attempt, which again is awesome. And if you put that into a little category of its own, and again, you're looking at, dang, look at Tyreek Hill's numbers. Look at Raheem's numbers. Look at Waddle's numbers. Look at the grades, look at the stats, look at the 4.9, look at all the... Do you know where they rank as a team? 20th in rushing yards per attempt. So yeah, the, I mean, the, the, there's scary guys on the... And, and I think the scariest part about it is, especially as Packer fans, we understand what happens when we go up against these guys. They break records. Raheem Mostert is going to have 15 yards per carry. Tyreek Hill is going to get 300 yards by himself. And Jalen Waddell will add, you know, seven touchdowns. He'll double his touchdown production. You know, that, that's what scares us. But the very real reality here is that this is a barely top 10 offense, scoring offense, and a pretty comfortably bottom 10 scoring defense. And that doesn't necessarily jive with what we're seeing in terms of, well, they have these high-flying running back, wide receiver, combo, whatever. Plus Tua, I saw some highlights of him like week four. It was crazy. Scariest team in football. They can be again, no different than the Vikings. If if you catch the Vikings on a bad day and they're at their absolute best, and the and the Packers decide, you know, especially their defense decide to have a bad day, it's going to be real embarrassing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, try to assuage those fears. I'm not gonna bother because that could absolutely happen. But I don't want to get caught up in the weeds of looking at the individual stats of a guy that's really good and not looking at the team. Devontae Adams is really. Really, really good. His grades, really good. His stats, really good. The team sucks. And yeah, even even again, even with like explosive numbers and everything. Yeah, the the Raiders are pretty high. But are you scared of the Raiders? They got a bunch of twenty yard passes. They got Devonte. They got you know some uh, top end tight end, a top end running back. I mean, they got some scary stuff. Are you scared of the Raiders? The answer is of course not. Looking at their offensive line, left tackle Teron Armstead. Solid steady Eddie tackle, solid run blocking tackle, solid uh, pass blocker, has been forever. 31 years old, he did it for New Orleans forever, now he's in Miami doing the exact same thing he's always done. It's a good football player. The left guard was Liam Eikenberg. Um, he is somebody that uh, all the Gutekunst haters don't want to point to when they get upset with a a draft pick because they don't want to acknowledge that sometimes things don't pan out. And in some cases, they are absolute disasters. Liam Eikenberg, one of the worst offensive guards of football. However, he has been out for quite a quite a while, leaving Robert Jones to come in and fill in that left guard spot. Um, he's been in since about week eight when Eichenberg went out. He's actually grading out better, but is still not very good. 60 overall, 62-ish run blocking, 62-ish pass blocking, two sacks, two hits, six hurries, 10 total pressures that he has given up uh, this year. Center, Connor Williams, um, the longtime left guard for the Dallas Cowboys, has gone to Miami, doing a good job at center. 85 run blocking, 71 pass blocking, giving up nine pressures. Right guard, Robert Hunt, similarly 72 overall, 74 run blocking, 75 pass blocking. He's given up 17 pressures so far this season. The difference, though, with Hunt is that he's kind of struggled for quite a while, pretty much around the time that the... Or actually, it's been exactly since the um, the bye week. Since the bye week, 57, 55, 53, and 58 have been his, uh, his grades on the week-to-week basis or whatever. And then right tackle has been a little bit of shuffling going on. Uh, they've had Austin Jackson fill in once in a while. He's not very good. They had Greg Little that was in early he was absolutely uh putrid and then he kind of came back around weeks 10 12 13ish brandon shell has been the more uh recent i guess right tackle for the team he's played some right tackle left tackle but um really 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 bad pass blocker not a terrible run blocker but brandon shell who i think is who we're going to be seeing has given up 28 pressures so far on the season and um has a 47 pass blocking grade so Most of the offensive line, with the exception of, I think it was left guard and right tackle, they're pretty solid. But there are absolutely some exploitable holes on this offensive line. And then finally on defense, two pretty solid defensive tackles in Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins. I like Christian Wilkins a lot. Uh, Not only is he a good football player, but he seems to be a really good dude. But anyways, uh, those two guys both doing a really good job on the interior. Their number one edge rusher is Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips has 60 pressures and 9 sacks on 396 attempts, which is obviously pretty impressive, to say the least. He has an 89.2 pass rush grade. It's only been getting better over the last several weeks. The number 2 and 3 pass rushers are Melvin Ingram. Ingram has 34 pressures on 269 attempts and 6 uh, sacks. His grades are not quite as impressive. He hasn't had necessarily a good game and uh, since Week 10. But obviously the statistics speak for themselves. Melvin Ingram been around for a while, 33 years old. Maybe the old age is kind of getting to him. And then Emmanuel Ogba, who's been out with an injury, was one of the top guys, but uh, won't be seeing as much of him. At corner they have Xavier uh, Howard and Kadir Kahou. Never heard of the guy. Xavier Howard obviously was one of the top corners in football back when Jair was. Um, he's also struggling. He dropped from 2020 from an 87 down to a 70 this year. So far, a 56 overall grade. He has a 54 coverage grade. Um, he's given up 44 receptions on 66 targets, almost 700 yards, and six, count them, six touchdowns he's given up. One pick, seven pass breakups is pretty solid. He hasn't given up a touchdown in a while, but um, it's been a pretty rough year for Xavier Howard. Then the number two corner, Kadir Kahoo is a uh, 2022 undrafted free agent at 5'10", 195, and um, 69 overall grade, which is mostly because week one he had a 91. He's mostly had pretty subpar, two-par grades, 60s, 50s, and 40s, uh, but he had an 80, a 70, and a 90 that it skewed this. Same goes for his coverage grade, but um, he's given up 58 receptions for 530 yards and a touchdown. No picks, but five pass breakups on the season. And again, he's had three good games all year, and he's played all year. At safety, you got Javon Holland. He was one of the best safeties in football as a rookie last year. Um, he completely fell off the map. He went from an 84.7 overall grade down to a 68. He's had two good games all year, 90 against Buffalo Week 3, 90 against Pittsburgh. Other than that, it's been 50s and 60s with a 30 and a 40 mixed in every single week. Um He has given up 18 receptions, 231 yards, three touchdowns, two picks, and three pass breakups, 111.9 passer rating when targeted. The other safety, I think, although he didn't play last week, uh, Eric Rowe. Not sure if he'll be back or what the situation is with him, but he has a 54 overall grade as a safety. I also forgot about linebackers. Jerome Baker is their primary number one linebacker, 75 overall grade, 65 coverage, 72 Run defense, 86 pass rush. He has nine pressures and five sacks on 83 attempts. The other linebackers, Duke Riley, 55 overall grade, um, and Landon Roberts, who has a 52 overall grade. So um, that is sort of the overview of the team. They've, they've, they've got talent in different places, and a, like a lot of teams, like Minnesota, like the Packers, honestly, although they haven't been able to put it in motion, they have firepower, and I'm not just talking wide receivers. They've got capable offensive linemen, wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, pass rushers, defensive tackles, linebackers, corners, safeties. It's, it's been an issue with getting consistent play from these guys and finding a way to put them in positions to win football games, which again, sounds a lot like the Green Bay Packers. They should have more points, more yards, and a heck of a lot more wins than they actually do. And it's because Tua, although great, falls off the map. It's although they have two really good wide receivers, they have nothing else. It's because they have one solid running back and nothing else. It's because they have three really good offensive linemen, but two weak links. There's too much inconsistency. And before we end this, we should probably look at the uh, injury report real quick, because Teron Armstead, their very good left tackle, is not practicing. Uh, He has a toe-slash-peck-slash-knee injury. He has not practiced all week. It's pretty significant. So uh, we can look more into this as we start to kind of say, okay, this is who Miami is. How does that compare to the Packers as we move forward? But I think this is a good stopping point for today. Don't you guys have yourselves a fantastic day? I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.